Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast podcast. We want to extend an invitation to sit in live with us during our weekend service. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message inspires you, but also challenges you in your walk with God. For more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Now here's Pastor Marco with an encouraging word. But I want to I want to I want to dig a little deeper here in the details of this reveal. It's so powerful and I don't have time to go into all of it, but I'm going to share some things with you today to show you how unique Jesus is. Did you know this? Time magazine had an article about the 100 most influential historical figures in the history of humanity. The entire humanity. They scope all the centuries. Guess who's number 1? Jesus, the number one most influential figure. Whether you believe he's a savior or not, it's hard to argue with the influence of Jesus on the earth. Like, he has shifted history. Did you know this? We're here, 2018 AD, because of Anno Domini, the year of the Lord. Like, he split the calendar in half. You got to be a boss to split the calendar in half. You know, there's BC, Jesus, and then AD after Jesus. And I told you guys last week, the reason we celebrate Christmas on December 25th is because the Roman emperor got saved and they were a pagan, uh, they were a pagan people. And he decided, listen, we're going to take the most pagan holiday we have and we're going to make it Christian because now we have a new savior. We have a new Lord. So December 25th became the day that we celebrate Christmas. And some people get so hung up on that. Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. It's like, yeah, but you ever met people from the old days that don't even know what day they were born? Some of y'all don't even have a birth certificate. You're like... Does that mean you're not real? Of course you're here. You're real, right? So don't get hung up on the date. Get hung up on the person and what he's done. That's what matters. Because I guarantee you, your grandfather doesn't have a birth certificate. But is your grandfather real? I hope so. How are you here? <laughs> I crack myself up sometimes. Um, but, but I want to take us deeper and show you what makes Jesus so intriguing is that he, his whole entire life was prophesied in advance. Prophecy means predicted or forecasted in advance, right? Did you know this when it comes to Jesus' life, the way he lived, the way he was born, the way he died, the way he rose again was all prophesied in advance, right? And did you know this? When you begin to dig scriptures, there's over 300 specific prophecies about Jesus' life. That I don't have time to go through all of them, but I want to show you three pertaining his birth. To show you that we're not here by coincidence or mistake. And if God goes into that detail about revealing Jesus, how much more does he want to reveal things to you? And how much more you have no idea all the details of your life right now. God is trying to work it out for the good of you. He loves you that much. He's into details. So when you look at Jesus' life, you're looking at what God wants to do with all of us. So if you're ready, we're going we're gonna to go deep here today. I'm just going to reveal three things to you this morning. The first one is out of Genesis chapter 12. Last week we looked at Genesis 3. We're going to fast forward to Genesis 12 to a man named Abraham. Right? Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. If you grew up in church, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Right? Remember as a kid, let's praise the Lord. Right hand, left hand, right foot, left foot. You know, turn around, you know, Father Abraham. Oh, y'all didn't get a chance to grow up in church. I'm sorry. Um, one of the many cheesy things we do. 
uh, in the church. But this man Abraham, watch this, right? This man Abraham, God speaks to him, right? And he says this, look, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family. Go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. So God takes this one man named Abraham and says, I'm going to start something different and new. And that this, with you, I'm going to begin the process of revealing who this Jesus is going to be. Just one man. And he says, leave everything that you know, because I'm about to do something new. I pray you understand this application right away, that some of you, you're the first lineage of Christianity in your family. And God is trusting you to leave all of the familiarity of the past to walk into something new so he can do a new thing, not just in you, but it's going to bless you and your families and your relatives and your loved ones. So embrace it. Because I know there's another voice who tells you, ah, you feel alone. It's all, you, you know, you're trying to do this on your own. No, no, God is taking you somewhere and God is trusting you to bring a new lineage called the new normal through you. How awesome is that? Right? So this man Abraham has a son named Isaac. And Isaac means son of the promise. Right? God says, I'm going to give you a child. And his name is Isaac. And then Isaac in turn has a son named Jacob. Jacob has a moment with God so powerful that God changes his name to Israel. Israel means the one who struggles. Right? Are you seeing the progress here? One man, Abraham, has a son named Isaac. Isaac has Jacob. Jacob's name is turned to Israel. He has 12 sons, and they become the nation of Israel. Right? He says, through you, I'm going to bless many. The nation of Israel is where Jesus is from. I got bad news for you. Jesus doesn't have blue eyes and beautiful shampooed hair. He doesn't speak perfect English. He was from Israel. Okay? Because most portraying of Jesus is a European Jesus. That came in later into the 16th century where, you know, Europe kind of made molded Jesus into their own likeness. The tendency that we all have is to take Jesus and to make him into what we want. I remember one time I was preaching on this. One girl said to me, yeah, but my Jesus is fine. I'm like, girl, whatever you picture Jesus to be, that's on you. I'm looking for a real savior. I don't care how he looks like. I just need to know that he's the savior of the world, that he can change my life. <laughs> and so through this, through this one man becomes the lineage of Jesus. The Israelites become basically what the Old Testament is about. God is showing us through this nation, this is what I'm meant to do. Right? Now fast forward to between 80 and 90 AD, they wrote these words. An historian was writing the words of the new church where Jesus was, had come and, and, and rose again and started the church. This man named Luke wrote the book of Acts, which means the Acts of the Apostles, what they did once Jesus came to earth. And he says this about this, this understanding of Abraham's lineage. He says, look, you are the children of those prophets, and you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, through your descendants, all the families on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant Jesus, he sent them first to you people of Israel to bless you by turning each of you back from your sinful ways. Understand this. This was written 1800 B.C. Fast forward. Between 80 and 90 A.D., the prophecy comes to pass. 
You see how God has a progressive thing that he's doing on earth, right? Because sometimes we're thinking things are not happening as the way I want it to happen. No, God's got a plan and a purpose, and he's taking history somewhere, and he shows you, listen, what I promise will always come to pass. So when you sing your God of the promise, this is what we're talking about, you know, that he keeps his word. Now, fast forward a little bit, and you, now you see that God also promised that not only Jesus would come through Abraham, but he also he would be part of royalty, the, the, part of the kingdom, part of the kings of Israel. So we've got to fast forward a little bit to the book of 2 Samuel to see this reality. This is the words of another prophet named David, which God said, this man is the greatest compliment in the Bible. He said, this man has my heart. King David, right? The greatest king that ever lived. 2 Samuel, David now is in his deathbed, right? He's lived a long life, and now he says this to his son, okay? He's talking to his son, Solomon, but he's prophesying not just about his son, but he's prophesying about the future or when Jesus would come. Watch this. Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make, him, I'll make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. Forever. He says, Jesus is going to come from line of kings, right? This was written, okay, get this. The first one was written in 1800 B.C. This one was written in 540 B.C. Now, fast forward to 70 A.D. That's a long time. Right? So when a man named Matthew, who followed Jesus, one of the first disciples or students, writing his gospel, what does he say? First thing he says in his gospel, watch this. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Placing it all together to show you that God was always bringing Jesus through the light lineage. Now, sometimes when you're reading the Bible, you get to the genealogies and you get really bored, Right? This person beget this person, beget this person, beget this person, beget. By the time you're done begetting, you're, you're asleep. Come on, I know we're in church, but we can be honest for a second. You're like, yo, I, I got nothing out of that. And that's okay, because you have to understand what he's doing here. He's trying to show you two things with the genealogies. One, I have a purpose for every person. Okay? And two, every person matters to me. For us, these are just names. But can you imagine if your name was in the Bible? Man, you would highlight that thing like four or five times. And you'd be like, yo, I, I'm in the word. Right? You ever, you ever see people that are on the news for like two seconds? You're like, you on TV? I saw you on TV. Like I heard people already saying like because of our little intro on TV. They're like, I saw you on TV. Can you imagine being in the Bible like the word of God? Which shows you, my friends, every person matters. When we tell you to invite people, listen, for you, it's just me, an invitation, but to God, every single person matters. Which, by the way, I need to say this. Do me a favor. Let's not get weird when people come to church just for Christmas and Easter. Because it matters. Don't make stupid jokes. Okay, don't be that guy that ruins what God is trying to do. Because some of us, I know for me, my family only went to church for Christmas and Easter. But one of those Christmas and Easter, God got a hold of them. And that changed everything. 
So don't get in the way of what God wants to do in someone's life. Invite them and get out of the way. Okay, don't be that weird person. Tell them all the play-by-play. And now they're going to sing this song. And now they're going to... Pastor never talks about hell. This never happens. Like, I'm sorry. Stop it. Let God do the work. You just stop. Stop. Sometimes I feel like we're in the way of God. We're trying too hard. Okay, just do the invitation. Let God do the transformation. Can you say amen? Amen. All right. So listen. So here we are seeing that God was always revealing Jesus to the world. And he was taking his time in a progressive way. Now I want to take you to this third one, which I really like. I want to spend some time on this one. Fast forward to a small prophet. We call a small prophet because it's a smaller book. Uh, There's no such thing as big or small in God. It's just the way that we put things in perspective. Okay. Micah is another prophet that lived. Around 700 B.C., 700 years before Jesus came, Micah said this about Jesus. By the way, if you're having a baby, Micah, what a great name. You're welcome. Watch this. Michael. We're going to fast forward to Micah here. And look what he says about Jesus. Tells you exactly where he was going to be born. Where he was going to be born. 700 years before he wrote these words. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past. Circle that word, distant past. So powerful. Will come from you on my behalf. Here he prophesies exactly the place that Jesus would be born 700 years before. Tell me God doesn't have a plan. Right? And he says he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And you know what's cool about Bethlehem? That's the hometown of King David. And you notice he says, man, people don't really see Bethlehem as a big deal. Just a small little place. But you know what? God is an expert of taking small little things and turning it into big deals. God loves doing that. Matter of fact, they look down on Jesus. They're like, yeah, he from Bethlehem, grew up in Nazareth. Come on, Nazareth, that's a ghetto. It is. It was. The first definition of, of a ghetto back in those days was that. It's like, yo, man, he grew up in the projects. Can anything good come out of the projects? I don't know about you, but can anything good come out of New Bedford? It's not where we're from. It's where we're carrying and where we're going. Trust me. He snatched you out of the pits of hell to transform you into who he created you to be. People may look down on you, but God's like, I'm raising up the next generation of believers in this place. So next time they tell you, can anything good come out of New Bedford? Just say, come and see what the Lord is cooking. Can you say, amen? Love the word because the word has compound meanings. Bethlehem in in Hebrew means house of bread. And if you know your scriptures, in John 6.35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Right? Born in the house of bread to bring bread. Ephrathah means fulfillment in abundance. He says, man, I, I was born in a house of abundance. Don't you understand what God is doing here? He's filling you up with the bread of life so you can have abundance to go out there and be who he has created you to be. But here's what most people miss when they read the Bible. you got to pay attention to the details. I don't know if you're old enough to remember Hooked on Phonics. 
The millennials have no idea what I'm talking about. But you got to read it slowly so you can get the fullness of it, right? Did you catch that word distant past? He said he came from distant past. My goodness, that's so good. You understand what the word distant past means is the word eternity. He's saying, no, no, you thought he came from, from David and you thought he came from Abraham. No, let me pull back the curtains and show you. He came all the way from eternity past because Jesus was not born 21 centuries ago. Jesus came from eternity into the world. If you don't believe me, take his word for it. In Revelation, he says this about himself. He said, look, I am the first and the last. I am the beginning and the end. Alpha and Omega. I was there from the beginning. Like Jesus was not created. He decided to become creation, but he was not created. Jesus became the flesh and blood for us to be able to say, this is how God is. We can talk to God and walk with God. But he's saying, oh, don't get it twisted. I wasn't born 21 years ago. I just came in the flesh 20, 21 centuries ago. I am from the eternity past. My God, if that doesn't get you excited about Jesus, I don't know what will. Look, 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 it it goes deeper than this. Watch this. Go to my next slide. Look, he's eternal. Look what he says about himself. He said, look, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Father, I I want these who have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you love me even before the world began. Don't you dare reduce Jesus to some eggnog on a day. He is God. I'm not talking about little baby Jesus, six pounds, eight ounce, from the greatest theologian who ever lived. You know who I'm talking about? Talladega Nights. No. Y'all are too spiritual. You don't watch movies. Okay. Um, dear baby Jesus, six pounds, eight ounce. <laughs> don't even speak a word yet. Um, no, I'm talking about Jesus, the author and finisher of life. My friends, this is what Christmas is all about. Right? The enemy would love for us to just do a little cute tradition thing and exchange gifts, but miss the gift itself. Jesus is the reason for the season, my friends. He's the one who came from eternity past. And watch this. It goes even deeper than that. Watch this. Look, he is the creator. Look, watch this. Look, look, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can't see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. So when you're worshiping Jesus, understand you're worshiping the creator of the universe This is not a holiday, my friends. This is the revelation of God to all the world to see that God is still real and he's still working. He's still changing lives and he's taking us somewhere. It's not done yet. There's a fullness of revelation still to come, but we can't handle it all at once. All right, let's go on. Watch. I'm going to let the Bible speak for itself. Look. Here's Peter, right, one of my favorite disciples, first student of Peter. I like Peter because he was one of those guys that, like, just spoke his mind. Like, Peter was like, I'm going to kill everybody who tries to get to Jesus. Peter was like the first thug in the Bible. No, you think I'm playing? Go read the Bible. Jesus was like, yo, put it away, yo. Like, for real, I'm dead serious. Go read it. He took out the, he was like, yo. Jesus was like, yo, Peter, no. 
That was the old you. <laughs> Put that away, my friend. We moved on from... <laughs> we don't shake people anymore. Because <laughs> I know we got some thugs in the house. Put it away, yo. Put it away. We do things differently now. <laughs> look, he said this in his, in, his, in, his, in his book that he wrote about Jesus. He said, look, God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. The revelation is here for you. Jesus is not new to the world. We're new to him. Right? This thing was already revealing before you even came around. I got good news for you, man. It will still be around after you're gone. Because your kids is going to need Jesus. Your kids' kids going to need Jesus. And if he doesn't come back, your kids' kids' kids are going to need the revelation of Jesus. Can you say amen? amen? Now watch this. I love this, right? Because he had you in mind the whole time. This is the whole point. He had you in mind the entire time. Watch this, right? This is now another man re- re- reflecting on the revelation of Jesus. The man Paul, who hated Christianity, by the way, because he thought it was a cult, and he thought, you guys are weird. Have you guys heard that? You heard that? That sounds familiar to you. Some of you are you're like, oh, you're going to that cult. I don't know. If that cult means that following Jesus, then I'm all in. I want, I want everything that he has for me. Because this man was transformed. Now he's preaching the same gospel that he was trying to despise. Right? Now, look what his revelation about Jesus and what he was doing in your lives. Watch this. I'm going to read this from the Bible itself because it's so good. Uh, Ephesians. If you have your Bible, I'm going to be in Ephesians chapter 1. Look what he says about you and why Jesus came to earth. Verse 4. And you guys can come up. That was your cue. We talked about this. Uh, that was... <laughs> This is the stuff they don't see on TV. We edit all the stuff. They're like, oh, that guy's, they flow so well. Like the whole thing just flows. It's amazing. It's flawless. No, this is the behind the scenes. <laughs> There's a guy on his computer editing everything. Okay, we're going to take that out. When he said white people, we're going to take that out. Uh, you know, trust me. There's a whole cleansing process that happens. <laughs> well, look, look what the <laughs> look what the Bible says about you and why Jesus came. Verse four: Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance. To adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted, right? This is so good. This is what he wanted to do and gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son. And forgave us our sins. He has showered his kindness on us. Along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ. 
which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. How awesome is that, my friends? That's awesome. You're not here by coincidence. You're not here by mistake. God had a plan all along to bring you here. Some of you come reluctantly because you're knuckleheads. You need a two by four once in a while. Don't you understand everything that, that, that happens in your life? It's not necessarily that God wants to cause you pain. It's that God will use it to show you a greater purpose through everything that you're going through. Everything. So you can look at life two ways. You can look at life in the natural. Oh, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this happened again. Or I can't. No, or you can say, God, what are you doing? What are you doing in my life? What are you trying to show me? What are you trying to reveal to me? Because nothing happens by coincidence or mistake. And in case you missed it, let me, let me, let me summarize it, what he said here that he wants to do in you. This is what he said. This, this, is the, this is it right here. He says, first of all, I came to adopt you into my family. I came to give you my blood. I came to give you the royalty blood. The same blood that was in King David. I want it to be on you. That's why Jesus paid with his price, with his life, to adopt you into his family. See, we make the mistake sometimes. People say, everybody's a child of God. Not if you haven't embraced the adoption process. Because we know in order for someone to be adopted, there's a process. There's paperwork involved. There's visits involved. There's background involved. Jesus did all that to say, I want you in my family. And he doesn't stop there. He said, listen, I want to make you holy. The word holy means set apart. A lot of times we confuse holiness with perfection. It's not the same thing. He's saying, no, no. When you're my son or my daughter, I'm going to set you apart. You're going to look like me. You're going to talk like me. You're going to act like me. You're going to behave like me. That's what holiness means. That if you want to know, am I really a child of God? You got to ask the question, am I becoming more holy? More set apart? More distinct? I can't look like the world. I can't talk like the world. I can't act like the world. I have a father in heaven who loves me. And he's transforming me. So I can't look like everybody else. Talk like everybody else. And he goes on to say, look, I want you to be free from sin. We talked about sin. Breaking shalom. When we're living outside of God's will, we're breaking the peace of God. And he said, you know, I came to restore you so you don't have to live in sin. We don't have to make excuses for our sin because he has paid the price for our sins. We can live above the level of sin, my friends, and mediocrity. When Jesus takes a hold of our lives, there's no room for sin. There's only room for holiness and righteousness and God's will for our lives. He says, I came to forgive you. And that's good news because I know some of us, we come here guilty. We feel like the stuff we've done cannot be forgiven. And I hear people say, how can I go to church? God will never forgive me. My friend, before you were even born, Jesus died on behalf of you to have forgiveness. And I know there's a voice that keeps trying to condemn you. But the Bible says, now therefore, there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For God has done a new thing in your life. 
And I want to tell you today, when you hear that voice telling you, I know what you did in the past, you can say to that voice, but that's the past. I have a new present. I have a new day. Jesus has forgiven me of my past. I'm a new person. It says, I want to fill you with wisdom. And I love that you use the word wisdom and not knowledge. Knowledge is just information. Wisdom is now how to apply the information. You see, you're here not to just pass time and say you did a religious thing. You're here to be filled with wisdom. Because tomorrow you need to make some decisions. You need to make some choices. And you're going to need the Spirit of God to give you the wisdom to be able to make the right choices and the right decisions for your life. He says, I came to fill you with understanding. We need understanding, my friends. God's people should not live like we're in the dark. Sometimes I hear people talk and it frustrates me because I'm like, Aren't you, don't you know who you are? Don't talk like you're clueless. Do you ever watch TV? It's always the wrong Christian on TV. And he's, he's clueless about everything. I just go to church. Enough with that nonsense. You don't just go to church. You're a child of God. I believe this. If you're seeking God, God will give you understanding. God will give you words. God will give you wisdom. God will show you how to get up out of a mess. We shouldn't live like the world. You should be able to go to work tomorrow with wisdom. That if something goes wrong, you have answers. You shouldn't be like, oh man, I don't know. So who are you? You're a child of God who's been filled with the same wisdom that Jesus walked the earth with. You should be able to say, I have solutions to that situation. Shouldn't walk around clueless about how to raise your kids. Because he gives you wisdom and understanding. I told you last week, some of you, you got a business in you. Ask God for the understanding, how to bring it into pass and how to make it work. Because God will give you wisdom to make something work. Don't act like you don't know what's going on. That's why I gave you guys this booklet. Spend time with the Lord every day and watch wisdom come. Watch revelation come. Watch power come. Don't talk like you're defeated. Sometimes I just, I just want to give Christians permission to smack each other in the face, to wake up a little bit. Stop talking like you don't know who you are. You're a child of the Most High God. Stop acting like it. It's unacceptable to talk defeated. It's unacceptable. He didn't go through all of that for you to be like, oh, it's so hard. You have no way. Like, stop giving power to the very thing that God has defeated over your life. Come on. We're not here to do a tradition. We're here to live a lifestyle of power, of grace, of truth, and mercy, and goodness, and breakthrough, and healing, and restoration. We're here to be the people of God. My God. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to connect with us, you can find us at newlifesouthcoast.com for any further information.